Welcome to the Crater Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss all the JavaScript news that's happened on Crater.io this week. This episode is for Friday, February 26, 2016. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace. They offer you Mongo databases. It's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases. You know, they offer WebSocket support with sticky sessions. They do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing. I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Welcome, Creator fans. I'm your host, Ben Strahan. And I'm your special guest co-host, Abby Iyer. Where's Josh today, Abby? <laughs> I don't know. I think we like we kidnapped him and put him in a in a closet so he couldn't be here. All the people wanted to see uh, you and myself uh, be hosts, so we had to do some some trickery there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mysteriously, Josh lost his internet connection. Yeah, mysteriously. Mysteriously. Let me put these wire cutters away. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, Josh is actually teaching a React class, I believe. So, you know, it's a good reason he's not here and good thing we're here. Yeah, right. It just like worked out. Like you and Josh did an amazing show last week. Yeah, that was fun. Everyone loved you. And then it it worked out that like now there's two co-hosts, you and I. So like when Josh is like MIA, we don't need to skip yeah, the show must go on, right? Now it can. And it yeah. can. Yeah. So we're here to make it happen. For those of you who don't know, Abby and I, man, we, we go back. We go back in podcast history. We go back. It's, it's a very short history, but we go way back. <laughs> we did like 16 shows of, of a show called The Ben and Abby Show. Yeah. It was yeah. fun. It was fun while it lasted. It was fun. And uh, maybe we should explain our, the hiatus, right? You know we never what? did that. This is a great opportunity. You're right on, dude. Yeah. Yeah. How Go should ahead. I explain it? <laughs> I know. You're the famous one. I'm so. wondering too. <laughs> uh, I want to do the Ben and Abby show, but unfortunately, I don't have enough time. Yeah. That, that pretty much came down to it. So, And there was an opportunity that came up to uh, work with MDG on transmission. Abby was super supportive and it was the right decision, I think, for Definitely. the media community as a whole, even. I think. Yeah. I mean, look, look at what great stuff has happened. Like, the forums have died in terms of, like, their negativity. Yes. Slowly, there's dying. Not much negativity. and No more flame wars over there. No more flame wars. <laughs> and that's the best thing you can do is to, up, you know, uplift a community like that. So, yeah. yeah. But Miss you it. and I will be around on the podcast and the Crater Podcast, I'm sure, and then the Media Club and all that stuff. So, Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll be around. I, I said that whole description with a lot of remorse. <laughs> I miss our show, man. It was so much fun. Yeah. So let's get into the show. Yep. We got four topics. We're going to be talking about Microsoft releasing a native UI plugin for Cordova. Whoa. We're going to talk about Elmish. Functional programming in JavaScript. It'll be fun. We'll be talking about introducing Telescope Nova. Ooh, Telescope Nova. Telescope Nova. 
and NodeChef versus Galaxy Developer Edition. Ooh, I'm going to say some interesting things there. Ah, <laughs> it's going to be a fun show. I'm, I think so. So let's dive into it. So cool. the first topic is Microsoft released a plugin for native UI for Cordova apps. And first off, I uh, just wanted to reiterate that because you guys heard right, Microsoft released this. And if you go to this link, uh, you'll notice that it's a native wrapper for Android and iOS only. Their Windows phone is not even included. <laughs> but I think they have like a JavaScript like platform. It's like WinJS or something like that for their phones. So they already got that. But this is amazing. And Abby, you and I did a show sharing our opinions about Cordova versus uh, native apps. Yeah. In the past. And you were the native app, app guy. Mm-hmm. And I was the Cordova guy. Yeah. Yeah. So this brings us together in harmonious matrimony, right? Yeah. Did you, did you have a chance to look at this UI? Yeah, yeah. It looks um, awesome. It looks great. It looks great. And it's, it's, it's the right offering. Like, like, no matter how much we like native or Cordova or PhoneGap or whatever, there's always going to be two people in each bucket or people in each bucket, right? Yeah. And the only way... The only way that like people are going to be happy is if both are developed really well. So projects like this, where they're trying to you know up the game on Cordova support, it's it's always for the better, you know. And like this looks amazing. Like you you would think that it's not Microsoft, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's cross platform, right? You can just write once in JavaScript, which is always the dream, right? Write once and it goes everywhere, ships everywhere. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think it's great. Yeah. It's definitely good. You can even use XAML if you want. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. If that's, if that's your, your cup of tea, you know. A couple concerns that I have is I looked yeah. into the GitHub repo for this, and I was like, okay, how many people are contributing to this? Like, like what's the real backing with Microsoft on this? Mm-hmm. It turns out there's only like really one guy making it, Adam Nathan. So, like, Adam, thumbs up to you for making this. I'm wondering, though, Adam, if you can answer me, I'll tweet you out. Like, what do you see the future of this? Was this, like, a one-off project that you were hacking together for something? Or is there, like, a longer maintenance plan or strategy with this? Because it's awesome. If if there's going to be some life to this plugin, then I'm going to totally dive into it. Yeah. It's interesting because Microsoft is not traditionally known – as heavy JavaScript players, right? And mm-hmm. with not not until recently, right. you know, not until this recently, like where they have their own JavaScript, was a compiler in the browser. The new, I think it's Edge, or is it Edge? I think it's Edge is their new browser. Like they have the RxJS, which is that reactive extensions JavaScript library, which is also Microsoft. And then predominantly most Microsoft developers that work at Microsoft are using like knockout JS. They got TypeScript. TypeScript. Like these things are just blowing up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And And Windows 8, you could build native apps in it with, through JavaScript with the WinJet plugin. So like you can just see that like the shift is coming. So everybody is just trying to, trying to just make JavaScript a lot better, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're the type of person that does PhoneGap or Cordova, 
I think you should hop on to any new plugin that comes out to see if it's going to be good. Because right now, you probably have qualms with each one. There's probably something you don't like about each one, right? Yeah. You could achieve what they're achieving here by getting other plugins. Uh, But then you got to like sometimes mess with the native stuff as well. Yeah. So they're kind of combining a bunch of things. And then they have like really nice things where you can actually have widgets, like Android widgets Mm -hmm. and everything. So it's... It's awesome. What would you recommend? Let's say like you're, you're a developer that needs a mobile app, right? So like your thinking is, okay, do I need to, to, to make a native app? Do I need to do Cordova? Like Meteor gives you the great Cordova built in. Are you doing React Native? You know, like there's so many options right now. What would you say is the best, like considering Ace too, like what would be the best to get your product out there really quickly? I don't know, Avi. That's a great question. Like right now where we stand, I would, right probably, I would probably say, try to stall. <laughs> <laughs> don't make the decision right now. Seriously. Like, uh, like this plugin that we're talking about, Ace, is great. Working with the new Android and all the animation, you really want native. You get so much user experience when you go native. But you might not have the knowledge to go native. Yeah, or the resources. Whenever someone asks you, Abby, you always give the same answer. So I can answer for you, which is if you have the resources in-house, then go native. Yeah, yeah. But the stuff like Ace makes me think of, like, last week we talked about Deco, which is the React Native uh, builder. Oh, yeah. Right? That was, that was With the hot. same type of widgets, right? That's the same type of concept where, you know, you, you have a lot of stuff for free. I can, like, drop certain components well, or components in, you know? And that's React Native. That's another, like, approach to building these, like, you know, was it hybrid mobile apps, you would say, you know? Yeah. The neat thing with Ace is, like, you can mix. You can, like, mix this in with existing projects. Existing. Yeah, yeah. That's the big thing. React Native. That's the power. Yeah, when you go React Native, you're going React Native. That's true. That's true. So. Yeah, so someone who wants more flexibility could use plugins like this to add some more flair to their app or something like that. Yeah. My only concern is, is, is it going to be maintained? Cause you don't want to be adding this into a project that you're going to be. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It is under the Microsoft GitHub. And the last commit was an hour ago from this, like right now. It is that's cutting pretty it. good. That's like, that's promising, right? It's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see guys. Keep Let's an see. eye out for this. This is, this is neat. Like, the landscape is changing, just like how Avi framed it. Like, there's, what's the answer? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. No one knows right now. So much good stuff. Why don't you make one app in each? I think, so. like, honestly, like, uh, just do a small pet project with Ace or React Native or Deco or whatever these things. Like, maybe don't put it in your production app, but the, the more knowledge you have about it, like, just just by being like introduced to it and having some familiarity with these things is going to be way better than not knowing it. So, and I think it has something to say with like the community that's going to be around it. So I wonder if the Cordova community is shrinking and the react native community is growing, if that's relative and if you can project that out, you know, or is react native just like a flash in the pan? I think that's a big thing. Follow the community. Yeah, and users, tweet what you think about that. Tweet uh, at Creator Podcast. Think, tweet like, do you think that 
Cordova is getting bigger or smaller in terms of community size or yeah. see what happens. And yeah. we can have a discussion about it. It'll be great. Yeah. What, what's your opinion on mobile app development? You know, yeah. it's Cordova here to stay. That's what I'm wondering. Cool. Cool. So, so Elmish, that's an awesome name. Elmish. Yes. So funny thing is Chet Quirkos, the author of this blog post called Elmish functional programming in JavaScript. I've actually met him like a year ago in LA when he came to a meteor LA here. We shared a love seat together at space camp. At space camp. (laughs) It was an unreleased crater podcast. Oh yes. Yes. It was a little wild. I just got to say, I know Chet very intimately well. Intimately. <laughs> Chet's a very smart guy. Yeah. Um, very, very forward thinking in terms of like thinking outside the box. And I always tell him this, that he, he's always thinking about things that people aren't thinking about yet. And you can see that with this, with this blog post here. Elmish is an attempt to implement Elm architecture in JavaScript. And people may not know what Elm architecture is. Elm is a programming language, which is a purely functional programming language. And that it actually compiles to JavaScript. So it's, it's, it's kind of in the same league as ClojureScript, um, anything that compiles to JavaScript, which is a good proposition, right? There's a lot of fundamentally things about JavaScript that people don't like. That's why they have to rely on abstractions like CoffeeScript or TypeScript to get what they want out of the language. And as long as it compiles down to something the browser can read, then everything is fine. The great thing about Elm, it has these principles of like purity and purity in the UI. And a lot of this is based on three concepts. One is the model. Model is like how the, the, the data or the, the shape of the state is. There's the actions. What These are the events that change this state. And then there's the view, how, how things are rendered on the page. So Chad actually went through these, these same core principles in his example, but he changed it up a little bit. He had uh, his component model is like it has an initialization called init, and that's where you return the initial state. You have updates, which take a state and some type of action and return a new state, which is very similar to Redux because Redux is actually inspired by Elm directly. Yeah, that was my question to you because like you're the Redux master that I know. I am the Redux man in the Meteor community, and Redux is like pretty much a very inspired version of Elm architecture. Yeah, so back into it. Update is like is is similar to a you know a Redux action where you take some type of state, you mutate the state, but you don't mutate it in place. You actually return a new state, and in turn, the view is updated with a new state. That's what pretty much Elmish is trying to do. Is it's actually very similar to the Redux principles of having reducers that, you know, take state in action and return the new state. It's, it's, it all boils down to these functional code. And mm. the cool thing about this blog post is it is a very high-level blog post about functional programming. Yeah. A lot of people that have been programming for 10 years or whatever have, might have a little bit of, you know, a hard time understanding this concept right away because all of us are used to maybe in backbone where you're you're mutating the dom directly you're removing and adding elements in place and you know things are you have to manage these mutations by removing elements and introducing new elements the beautiful thing is if you think about your front end or your your application as a big function one function 
then you can predict how this state of the application is going to change because it's just a function. It's just JavaScript. It's just code. There's no domain specific knowledge here that you need to know that may cause bugs or something like that. A lot of the problems that we have are we work with the DOM directly and the (laughs) DOM is slow and there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a huge checklist of things that you need to be aware of when you're mutating stuff. But if you can represent your whole application as a function that takes in stimulus from its environment, do some type of actions or calculations and return a new state as a function, one, it's easily easily tested. You can easily write unit tests on this whole state of the application. Yeah. Two, you can do some crazy things like change the state by going back in time, like the current state, I can go to the previous state, I can go to the previous state, or I can go to the future state. Because it's just a function, think about it. You're just running another command that gives you the next or previous state. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. And I, I think you should, you should read this blog post just to get a sense of that. But he gets even, he gets even deeper. And he gets into a library that over a year, Chet has been bragging about this library called Ramda. It's kind of like underscore, but it's like for functional composition. So it's pretty much utility methods to help you write more functional programming, you know, like curry functions. Uh, and he also uses this thing called FLID, which I hope I'm saying that right. Right, but it's a way- yeah. FLID, but it's another, it's another way to do reactive programming, and it uses observable streams. Uh, Chet had a, a blog post in the past about doing observable streams with mouse clicks uh, or mouse movements. And if you should go read that blog post, it's really great. At the end of the day, this is all great. It's all interesting. Uh, there are there are projects that are using this type of architecture today, Elm, Redux. And then there are, there are people that are doing other types of functional architecture, like in Cycle.js, um, that are different than this. But the, the thing that people need to know, like that's all the positive stuff that I outlined. There are some, like there's are some downsides. And I want to cover the two downsides that Chet said, and then I recommend people reading it. So one downside to these, both Redux, this Elm architecture, Elmish, even Chet's Elmish, is there's a lot of boilerplate going on. Yeah. We're used to in Meteor, we're used to magic, right? The, the original Meteor movie, or the, I'm sorry, YouTube video back in the day before the rebrand was this like, the sales pitch of this is the easiest framework ever because there's just so much stuff that happens for free and it's magical. And the problem with magic is it's hard to debug magic. Not everyone's a sorcerer, you know, it's hard to debug magic. And I think people have realized that over time in other frameworks as well, magic is hard to, to scale. Magic is hard to reason about with Elmish and Elm and Redux you have to write a lot more code and by writing more code, you have more control over this magic or what's going to happen. And that's might be a downside to some people who are used to having like, you know, like just things happen and they don't really necessarily have to worry about them. So if you're not into boilerplate, you could write helper functions or you could go look for some libraries that help this. But if you don't mind that and you'd rather have predictable code, then you might as well just forget about boilerplate as a negative. Mm -hmm. Um, A second thing that's wrong, not wrong, but a a downside of Chet's approach is he has to recompute the DOM every time the action changes. So he's recomputing the state and he's pushing a a new view. He has to render a new view every time. So if there was like a way to just 
find out like if there was equality between these views, then we wouldn't have to just push new sets of views to the DOM every time because that's, that's pretty costly, right? You have to do a re-render, you know, anytime an update happens and that might be slow on some people's browsers or something like that. Yeah. So in the conclusion, did he say anything about expanding Elmish? I talked to him about this and... Oh, did you? Great. Yeah, I talked to actually this morning. Um, a lot of this stuff is purely out of thirst for knowledge. And that's the great thing about Chet is like he does these things because he wants to learn and get deep into these concepts. Yeah. Personally, I don't think Elmish is going to be some library that people are going to use until he has a lot of work before that could happen. Yeah. But he's trying to tell people that the way that you're thinking, there are other ways to think about problems and there's other ways to solve them. And yeah. Yeah. So like in our, in our old show, we talked a lot about people learning or becoming developers. Yeah. And the takeaway on this is not only is it like excellent code to observe and watch and, and see what Chet does, but like guys, see how excellent developer and excellent programmer Chet see how he approaches learning new things. At the yeah. very beginning, he said he did this because he wanted to understand functional programming better. And JavaScript is his main language that, he, that he's fluent in. So, and he, he wasn't too fluent in Elm. So this is how like a true engineer goes out and learns something is that they actually go out and build it. Yeah. You know, they get in the weeds they get as deep as possible and then they actually then produce something. So then they have something to show for their work. Yeah. I think the issue that most developers come by is not like they think that if they're working on some side project or something that it has to be production ready or it has to be for other people to view, they have to get GitHub stars on it. They need to get contributors. Like dude, sometimes you just need to build stuff for the sake of yourself and it has no notion of being public or has no notion of being on, you know, you know, in the list of things that people should read that week. Like mm-hmm. the best thing you can do is if you want people to learn about your architecture or like things that you're working on or to write great blog articles about this, just introducing these concepts in a very friendly way. And by doing that, one, Chet has just made everyone realize that that guy's a smart guy and maybe when other things he puts out that are more serious in terms of production use, people will take it a lot more seriously because they know that he goes deep on things. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think that that's good advice to anybody that wants to learn stuff and, you know, really get deep into the weeds. In it. Yeah. And just for a little bit of context, I want to say I have a vague recollection of him first implementing this and trying it for the first time at space camp. I remember it was like 2 AM and we're still, we're finishing up playing board games and Chet comes down from, from the second floor and he's like, look what I did guys. And he's showing us uh, time traveling and uh, time traveling debugger and everything. Uh, in this architecture. And so what was that? That was like six months ago or something like that. So he got, it, it's like the 80, 20 rule. Like he got 80% of this done, I think months ago. And then the last 20%, it took him up until now. And then he wrote an article about it that offers another context. Like, like you don't just spit the stuff out right away. Like everyone has a day job. Everyone has things to do in their life. So fun. Fun. This was a good one. Chat. Yeah. Thank you for, for doing this, man. This is big. Next up, someone that we all know in the media community, Sasha Grief, uh, who has an open source project called Telescope uh, and also like wrote a book on it, introduced a new 
way of building the whole, I don't know, telescope infrastructure. Yeah. And front end. And he's calling it Nova. And it's a radically different, radically different change from what uh, uh, telescope is built on like nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting on the telescope blog. uh, We're going to be talking about an article that Sasha put out in a video where it explains the old way where everything was built into the meteor packages where the packages included everything from the schema, the collection, publications, Mm -hmm. helpers, and your view layer and all your styling. He now admits that that was a great user experience, but it was a horrible developer experience. Exactly. Yeah. It's a true nightmare because how can you get fine grained control if everything is locked into these silos Mm -hmm. and you want to keep the majority of the silo, but you want to totally break out the view because you want a custom view. Yeah. You can't do that. You got to have all or nothing. And that was, that was the real tough issue. There was a way around it. Uh, LD inspired Sasha. And I don't know if telescope uses LD's package or not where you can overwrite templates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Template. Yep. And so that's what they ended up doing. But that just like, that just bloats your code. So he came out with this new structure. We all know from the chat room that we have at Sasha, like he's been trying to tackle this the new React world and how, how's it going to work with Telescope, which is probably one of the most advanced like open source apps that people can just get. Like, yeah, I'm not going for it. So what he came up with is pretty interesting, and I'm interested to, to hear Abby's opinion on it. But he basically kept the, the old package system of keeping uh, the different features in silos, uh, but he totally broke out the view layer. Mm-hmm. So there is no view layer in these silos anymore. Uh, but instead, you have these containers, which I enjoy this approach. And the containers, what they do is it, it handles getting the reactive data. Yep. What you do then is then you have that reactive data available to any of the views, the view components that you write inside of that. And that way then you can scope CSS and all that. So now he totally did a 180. Instead of a great user experience, now it's a great developer experience. And it's up to the developer to make a great user experience. Yeah, and I think that's how it should be. I think that's how it should be. In WorkPop, we have this feature called Community, which is pretty much a telescope site. And we pretty much had the same problem where we wanted our own view layer. We actually wanted our own post logic, our own comment logic. We wanted the base of telescope, but we didn't really want all of telescope. So what ended up happening was you fork telescope, and then you tried to like make your own things happen, and then now you have your own version of telescope. Well, now we can't take advantage of things like Nova or the next versions of telescope because we have our own standalone version of what telescope was. Now it's not even telescope much anymore. It's like work pop scope or whatever. Right. But, you know, like, this thing is great for people that want a community without having to do much dev work, right? They don't need to write a backend for posts or comments and stuff like that. They may need to write, you know, some views and how to get, you know, the containers are all set up for them. So the, the view is what they need to write. Mm-hmm. Now, I have some problems with this approach. Now, I think it's good for the developers that need to get it done quickly. But the same with thing with the old telescope and the new telescope, like, I'm just not a fan of magic, I'm not a fan of things that are 
that are like one, one, one line functions that do so much stuff for you. Now that might be attractive to a lot of people. So this is just a personal opinion of mine. I'd rather write more code and have control over my destiny and write one line function that does so much for me. And that's, and that's the beauty of open source software, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's totally, and it's totally fine because people enjoy that approach. Some people don't like, I think this is great. I actually would hope that he breaks out the business logic itself into smaller packages. So if I only want to use posts, then I can do that. If I only want to use comments, you know, that would be like the cool next step. Here's another thing. Like as the transmission has told us, like Apollo is on, on the way, you know, Apollo is on the way and there's a new version of telescope Nova. I mean, we have to rewrite again for Apollo. Is this going to be flexible enough to just swap out all the publications? Probably that, not. That was my big thing. Yeah. Probably yeah. not. And that's the cool thing. If, if you split out your business logic even further and all these things into even smaller parts where the developer actually has to do, has all the little parts it needs to make a bigger telescope mm-hmm. or whatever, that yeah. might be cooler because then you can swap out Apollo or. Yeah. Know. In all fairness to Sasha, like what he did is he, he made something pretty good with the tools yeah. that he had available to him at that time. Totally. So it's just like Sasha got a little cut this time by being on the bleeding edge, you know, with Apollo now coming out and it's yeah. like, okay, well now there will need to, I have to release Nova and now anyone who knows what's coming uh, down the line with Apollo now knows that there's going to be another rewrite happening. So yeah. And the, he's probably going to get bugged a lot about like, when's the Apollo version coming out, right. you know, right. that's but, just the, the, the beauty of open source software is the people that complain about stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I think, Maybe he had bigger plans, but I think right now this was a big thing about breaking out uh, the views and breaking out the UI because he even said that uh, none of the publications changed. You can take your old telescope database, plug it into this new telescope app. All Everything is the same. You can yeah. be up and going. You can switch back and forth if you want to be uh, testing on staging this, this new telescope, and that's huge. Now, when Apollo comes out, that's not going to be the case. So that's when the whole back end is going to change. Uh, there's not going to be any pub sub in Apollo. So, so it, it's a little bit different, but yeah, I really like the idea that Sasha is, is pushing this big project forward. Uh, it, you and I, we're part of projects. We know how hard it is to do a major rewrite. This is a major. Rewrite. Yeah, totally. Total hats off for you. It's and one man team too. Yeah. And it's an open source project. Yeah. You know, so it's like, dude, we really appreciate your blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, Sasha. This is amazing work for for like someone who is not traditionally a programmer, right? He's a designer first and now he's like now he's a great programmer and now after running an open source project, refactoring it, it's probably even better. I would recommend anyone who wants to get a community going on their site or a new site, just use Nova. Don't use Blaze because I hate it, but use Nova because it has React in it. <laughs> and uh, I think that's great. I think that's the right direction, especially as a community leader. Like Sasha's a community leader. He yeah. wrote Discover Meteor. Like what he says is very powerful to people. And the things he does is very powerful to people. So as long as he keeps pushing positivity like this, it's great. Yeah, and here's an example of another senior developer, and this is how he learns. He actually did this to learn React. Yep. First, he re- rewrote the Discover Media website in React. Then he built 
a whole like platform, Nova, uh, based off of React and managing data with that so he can learn it more. And now how is he going to like uh, push this out and make some money and a living off of it is he's going to update Discover Meteor. Yeah. React. And this is another example of a developer. He wanted to learn something new and he made actually something of value while learning. Mm-hmm. So that that's pretty cool. That's actually pretty neat to see the two links between these two stories. Yeah. Uh, again, cutting edge stuff. <laughs> He's going to have to do another rewrite eventually. Yeah. I mean, it's JavaScript. We've, we've come to know and love the, 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 the rewrites and the yak shaves that we have to do along the way. So it's okay. Aye, aye, aye. All right. So the last one we got, man. All right. The last topic is node chef versus galaxy. And if you guys don't know what NodeChef is, it's another like node hosting platform, but they parade that they can uh, host media apps very well. Now, this link is a little biased because it's from NodeChef themselves. And this is the type of article where you go on, whenever you're buying software or you're buying something, they have the competitors, they have a big graph, right? They have the competitors and their features. Then they have the NodeChef and their features. And it always makes Galaxy or the, op- the opposition look like crap, right? And this is a typical blog post just like this. This is a very typical like comparison blog post. But I looked at it, and it's, it's interesting because the infrastructure is a little different. Like yeah. uh, NodeChef uses just containers where like uh, just, you know, straight up, like containers, like uh, I think it's Docker containers. Mm-hmm. And Galaxy is used running on AWS. And we have these virtual machines that they just like, you know, if you need a container, just spoof one up for you, right? Yeah. So if you're truly into DevOps, this is a problem for you to think about, right? If you're truly into DevOps, then yeah, maybe you care about the difference, you know? But maybe most people maybe most people aren't, or maybe most people are application developers, so they want something that's easy or cheaper or whatever. So, so that's cool. I mean, the infrastructure behind it is very important. You can watch uh, Matt's talk at uh, the Amazon conference about how Galaxy works, and that'll get you a keen insight into how Galaxy is structured and infrastructure. I don't know if NodeChef has posted anything about how exactly things were. Yeah. So you might have to price more and figure that out. The big thing is, is how do you manage connected clients and yeah. rolling out new code? Like, can anyone compete with galaxy with that feature where your your each client that's connected is, is associated with a certain container. So when yes. you're slowly rolling out your, your updates, it's not going to restart all the containers. It's going to do one container at a time. Yeah. Disconnect those clients, reconnect yeah. it. Yeah, and the Galaxy load balancer that they have will do these rolling updates very nicely where you take users, um, you wait till another container is, is done booting up, and then you go to the next one. You move people to different containers as, as they come into your site. It's, it's, it's a really interesting and smart infrastructure. But, you know, still there are some issues with it, right? Some people want uh, database hosting as well, and Galaxy doesn't do anything about databases. You have to go to Compose or Mongo Labs or something like that. NodeChef, on the other hand, they do do database, uh, contain, like dedicated database containers, while Galaxy does not. So that's cool. Like, if you want that all-in-one type of solution, that's great, you know? Like, uh, but I personally have not had trouble with Compose. You know, Compose is a great company, bought by IBM. Uh, pretty good. Good company. Uh, I, I heard and lots pretty of good interface. 
I heard Watson became the CEO of that. Oh, really? It's ran by a, an AI. <laughs> no, but, but serious, uh, a couple things that stood out, or yeah, a couple things that stood, to, stood out to me on this one is the size of the containers. So, yeah. so this is comparing the Galaxy Developer Edition, which is slightly different than what Abby's used to mm-hmm. because he has all the bells and whistles of Galaxy. Cause he's, oh, yeah, I got the pro. Yeah. Yeah. But theirs is like four times smaller than Galaxy's. Mm-hmm. So which means you got to get four, four containers to match one of Galaxy's as far as with Ram. Yeah. Which, which you'll need with Meteor for sure. Definitely. Uh, is it one fourth the cost? No. So you are actually, you know, that dedicated database container, you're, you're paying for that. Yeah. You know, and, and do you need it? Like, I know Modulus provides a free database as well, and mm-hmm. you use it when you get going, but right away you ditch it for Compose, right, when you're willing to yeah. spend dollars a when month. your data has scaled, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, you do yeah. not want to keep it there. You need, you need more tools that Compose offers to you. I guess let me do a little plug on Galaxy. Like, we use Galaxy at WorkPop. We use it since it launched. And we had some issues, go- like, in the beginning when things were new, like uh, – you know, CDN URLs weren't being pro- like served properly when we deploy, so some people wouldn't get CSS. Like we have these little issues, and sometimes there's spot maintenance that are unannounced, and our application containers restart. Like all that stuff is fine, but like what we were doing before with Modulus, having to be worried about our deployments, like literally having to like worry about is are all the containers or all the uh, the servers that we have do they have the right code in it do, does one does one uh, server not have the right code because if that is true then that could screw up the whole application because some people have old code that might be affecting the database in a different way so mm-hmm. we were constantly worried about you know ghost ghost servers not booting up and uh, you know, ever since we've been on Galaxy, we've had a lot of good visibility into what's going on into our the health of our, our application, you know. We have an SLA with Meteor, so we're always in the loop of what's happening. We're always bugging Zoltan about problems. Um, I think it's it, it really has – it has not replaced the need for a DevOps role for us. And I, I, oh, I, interesting. I think that is – one of the things that they're trying to say with the developer edition is like, you, you won't need like a, like galaxy will be your DevOps person, mm-hmm. but I have not seen that, that need go away. Cause we have a lot of data. We have millions of data points. We have a big team and a big app. We're looking for a DevOps talent right now because even with galaxy, like galaxy does not help you make this process better. Galaxy does not help you like deduce like what is wrong in the application and what's affecting the CPU. Like Galaxy does not read Kadira and let you know what's ha- what's what's the health of the Meteor app itself. Yeah. But it's really good in facilitating the the annoying things that a DevOps person would have to do to launch their app, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. my Galaxy takeaway. I mean, we're gonna still get a great de- DevOps person. I'm sure the Galaxy will become better when more DevOps people are using it. Like. Uh, that, that's that's what I hope, but, you know. Yeah, in the last show that I did with Sashko, we were talking a little bit about the future of Galaxy. And, yeah. and so he did mention that one of the things that they're going to be adding on is uh, application logging and, and uh, performance monitoring. So yeah. 
or improving that because right now they kind of have like a light version of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that's huge. And my question was, you know, well, what about Kadira? Are you going to be competing with them? And if you guys want to know the answer to that, you should watch show number seven or transmission. <laughs> but it is interesting. Like, like there are little things that galaxy little features that is, that are actually huge that galaxy doesn't offer yet, but it's an MVP product that is actually per, uh, performing on a, production level right now. So that's a huge thumbs up to the media team for executing on that. Uh, but we do wish that they're like these extra features that are, that will roll out and they have been rolling them out. They have been improving galaxy little by little, but when you go into this node chef, like they kind of call out the things that they don't support these little things, you know, like full mm -hmm. application logging, uh, um, wildcard host names. Yeah. You know? So, it's interesting. It's, it needs to be talked about. I yeah. Th I think Galaxy is a great value, though. I really do. Yeah. I mean, the, just like purely from a professional standpoint, the NodeChef offering, like even this post, it's not as professional as I would like it. They spelled Meteor wrong. In no the post, you know, like, uh, all, you know, the, the only big difference is the database. Like the only like – glaring difference between these offerings is the database support and just because they have a bunch of NAs next to Galaxy, it's supposed to devalue it. Like, yeah, this is like propaganda to be honest. Like things like this do not really tell the true story. If you really want to know the true story, you should try both of them out. I think they're, they have good pricing. I believe like, uh, you know, 128 megabyte container, nine bucks. Like that's pretty cheap. That's cheap enough for you to, to just test it out, you know? I think when the free the free Galaxy version comes out, is it already out? I don't think it's out yet. Or the develop like the mm -hmm. developer edition is out, right? Developer yeah. edition is out. Yeah. You can try that too. And I'm sure if you're running a Meteor app, personally, if you're running a Meteor app, you might as well have the people who built the platform host your app. But that's just me. It really is a good service. I really like it. I don't know if it's publicly available yet. I think they're right on the edge of like. Flipping that switch. Yeah. But, you know, like the, the team on Galaxy is cool. Like Rohit and Mark, like they're, they're very knowledgeable people. They've worked in big data systems before. I think Rohit worked at Hadoop, like, uh, or as a Hadoop consultant or whatever. Like mm -hmm. they, people have knowledge there. I don't, I'm not very familiar with the NodeChef team, so... I guess I'm very biased. I guess I'm very biased. I'm, I'm biased too. Like, here's the thing. Don't let the database, the included database fool you. You are paying for it with less RAM on your container. And honestly, spend the $18, get Compose. Boom. Get Boom. Galaxy because you get more RAM. It is a better value that way. You might not have all the frills, but you got everything that you need to get your app out and deployed. You really don't need those frills too much. And if you do, the Galaxy team will work with you to get it out. Think about this. There are huge production apps like Abby's on Galaxy right now with the features that Galaxy offers right now. And they are running a multi-million dollar business on it. So do you need all these frills if, if these guys don't have it? So yeah. I would go with Galaxy. Plus, the last thing is if you like Meteor, this is the way that you're supporting Meteor. This is the way that, that you are making sure that Meteor is going to be here tomorrow and years to come. There you go. That's, that's my thing. Go with Galaxy. Yeah. Go with Galaxy. Same here. <laughs>
That's it. <laughs> right on, right on. All right. This is the end of the No Josh Owens show. <laughs> or the No Josh Owens edition. <laughs> the No Josh Owens edition. Oh, that or the good. Ben and Abby edition. The Ben and Abby show. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, oh, wait, what podcast is this again? Oh, wait, it's a creative Yeah, podcast. yeah, right? Totally yeah. forgot, yeah. Guys, if you like this show, please jump on to uh, Twitter and like at Crater Podcast. And if you want to see what we're talking about, go to crater.io and see what we have uh, on the message board. It's actually built with Telescope. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Vote up the stories and the top stories of, of each day we're going to bring over and do a weekly podcast about it. Yeah, and also if you uh, want to get more insight into the Space Dojo productions and the Meteor Club and all that, uh, you can join the Meteor Slack, Meteor Club Slack chat room or the Space Dojo Slack chat room where mm-hmm. you can find me, uh, you can find Ben, and a bunch of other cool people to talk about Meteor, to get help, and I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to get to know more people. I definitely have met Ben through there. I've met a bunch of people in the media community that have helped me get my name out there. So if you're the future media star, that might be you. You should come join the Slack chat room. Totally. We talked about Chet and his article. He's in there. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Sasha. With Nova. Uh, Sasha's in there. And if you want a DevOps guy, there are tons of DevOps guys. In fact, there's a channel dedicated to DevOps and people just yeah. between your media DevOps question for free. It's called hashtag DevOps. Go figure, you know? (laughs) Yeah. See, it's even a full of no-brainer channels. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, please comment and subscribe. Let us know what you think of this show, and we'll make sure to make it better the next time. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Well, what does Josh say at the end of every show? This has been a Media Club production. No, that's not what he says. I don't know. But he does say something. That's a perfect ending right there. This has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S-P-A-C-E-D-O-J-O.com. <laughs>